0: DIY 20 at checkout to save 20%.
1: I couldn't believe how many people would call me, hey, so-and-so gave me your number that you sell pigeons. It's like, yep, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it spread like wildfire. And honestly, I could never catch enough birds to fill the orders that I would get. That was always the thing, like, I mean, if I could have probably caught 2,000 birds a month, I'd probably still not be able to fill all the orders.
0: Why is it usually form or function when it comes to shotguns? You either hear about the looks or craftsmanship of this shotgun while well, that shotgun over there in the corner hasn't been cleaned in two seasons but supposedly fits and shoots like a dream. Why can't it be both? This is what Upland Gun Company does. They take your own personal measurements and will construct the very shotgun that should handle like a dream while getting you the looks and custom features that only you can decide on. Whether it's a side-by-side or over-under, English stock or full pistol grip, custom engraving such as your dog's portrait, even down to selecting the wood. Grain on your stock, head on over to uplandguncompany.com and build the dream gun that you would carry in the field with your dog for many seasons. All right, everybody, welcome back for another episode of GDIY presented by Standing Stone Supply. My guest this week is Joel Epstein. We are going to talk about something that kind of hits all of us as gun dog trainers, especially DIY trainers at some point. The question of how do we bec- come to find training birds and especially pigeons there's a bunch of different options and solutions out there and Joel who has been uh, in this world for a little bit has a pretty unique uh, experience or history trapping pigeons so we're going to come on here and kind of milk his knowledge and and advice on if anybody's out there curious to try and see what it's like to go capture your own training birds but first Joel how you doing man I'm doing good so doing good where, where are you located, and, and kind of give us a backstory of how you've come about to, I think you, when we, we talked a few weeks ago, I think you said that you've been doing this for a few years now, so I, I need to kind of jump on in the backstory and get to know you a little bit better on how you even came about running all over the city trapping pigeons.
1: Well, it, it kind of started uh, probably about, I think about six years ago, because it was when um, my Brittany Gigi, um, she was about a year old, so she's six now. So yeah, about five or six years ago, uh, I started, I was doing some training with her and I used to always just buy pigeons and, uh, just locally. And one of the, the guys that basically supplied all the pigeons for San Diego, LA, he moved out, out of town. And, um, and then the only pigeons I could find were 10 to $15 a pigeon. It was just getting out of control. And I just was just like, man, I got to find a better way. I got to find a better way to get birds for training. Like I just can't be paying $15 a pigeon to go train. So that's when I just kind of started like trying to figure out how can I, I mean, I live in like pretty close to the city. There's pigeons everywhere. I got to figure out a way to trap these birds. And that's kind of how it all started.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of people coming into this world, they don't think that it's really that big of a deal. It's just, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'll find some birds to train with. Well, the longer you stay in this, even areas when you think that you have your sources figured out and you think you have a a good place to go trap, like the next year something happens, somebody gets out of raising birds or, you know, that sometimes you just kind of get forced into having to get creative to find your own training birds. Cause like you said, 10 to $15 a bird may not seem like that much if you're only doing it like once a month. But if you get into this and you're trying to train for a test or a trial or really kind of take it to the next level, that that bird bill can add up pretty substantially, pretty fast, and so I think a lot of us, as you and I talked about before, uh, we kind of go through a phase of where we start trying to trap these pigeons, and we're under underpasses of bridges, we're we're on top of buildings, we're reaching out to different companies, to get trying to get permission to set these traps up, and you know some people have decent success with it, but others don't, and so this is something that is pretty common, believe it or not, in the bird dog world is how do we figure out how to trap these pigeons. And so, you know, start off with when you decided that I can't pay 10 to $15 a pigeon any longer. You know, what was the process? Did you just go buy a bunch of traps and start figuring it out on your own? Or did you do a little bit of research and asking around?
1: You know what? I... It's just crazy because I just went on Amazon and typed in pigeon trap and I bought (laughs) the first thing that popped up. And what's funny is we're now six years later and I've gone gone through probably five different uh, traps you can buy online. And then I ended up making my own traps, but like going all the way back to the very first trap that I luckily found on Amazon. That's honestly the best trap unless you're going to make it yourself. But yeah, so I just went on Amazon, typed in pigeon trap, bought the first thing that popped up. And lucky for me, um, my, I know a guy, I I get, yeah, he's a friend. I bought a car off him a long time ago. So he owns a gas station, uh, pretty close to my house. So I always go fill up gas there. And I was like, you know what I'm going to, cause he had a a lot of pigeons at his gas station. And of all the places I've trapped, honestly, that first gas station that I trapped at, I've got the most birds. I think I took 500 birds out of that gas station. But anyways, going back to, I, I went up to him and I said, Hey, Hey, man, I know this sounds really weird, but um, I would I really like, I bought this pigeon trap and I tried to explain, like, you know, I use these pigeons for dog training. Would you let me uh, set up a trap here at your gas station and see if I can catch some of these birds? And he was, I thought he was just going to like, be like, what the heck is this guy talking about? But he was actually so happy. He was like, man, if you can get rid of my birds, you can trap as much as you want. I've spent th- He spent thousands of dollars doing bird nets, Paying exterminators, all this stuff, and nothing worked. So I, so I was like, "Well, let's see what happens." So he let me uh, actually go up on his roof because I didn't, I really didn't have a choice. There was nowhere else to set up the trap. So I was like, "Well, I, I think the best is if I put it up on the roof." And he's like, "Yeah, no problem." So I put it up there, put some feed in. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I think I went online and read some stuff like what feed to put in there, um, and so I, I bought a bag of pigeon feed and. Um, just, just, just seeing how, like, just kind of just tested it out. I put the trap down, came back the next day, 25 birds in the trap. That quick. That was that that quick. That was, that's what started it all. I was so pumped. I was like adding up all the numbers. I'm like, this is, this is crazy. I was, I mean, I was so pumped. 25 birds. That's a lot when you're paying $15 a bird. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. And, I mean, just setting up a trap that quick one, one night turnaround and you get 25 birds, even if they're 10 bucks a pop, I mean, you're looking at $250 that you just saved right then and there. How much did the uh, cage cost? Do you remember on Amazon roundabout? Yeah. At, about so
1: I think, yeah. So I think at the time it was like 75 bucks and I think they're actually still around the same price, but, um, but that it did that it didn't stop there. That was just like, then my yeah. you know my little entrepreneur mind started spinning. i was like man i could i could catch enough to train my dogs cuz i was doing navda at the time i mean i still do navda but like i was like i could train my dogs and make some money doing this so um so that's where it all started and and uh um let's see so i, I mean at one point i was trapping around 3 to 500 pigeons a month i i think i i bought about 5 or 6 traps And then I just started uh, manufacturing my own traps, making my own traps. And I think at one point I had like over 20 traps, about 15, over 15 businesses that let me trap for them. And I was doing about, yeah, anywhere like 300. I think the most I did is 500 pigeons in one month. Wow! And that, you know, yeah.
0: So, I mean, again, $10, 500 pigeons, there's five grand right there. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's, economically speaking, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, you're talking 75 bucks for a trap. You know, Let's call it 5, 10 bucks in gas going to the gas station and back to to your buddy's place and trapping those birds. But by extension, you can't just trap in one location, especially when you're talking those numbers and volume. And especially if you're going to start getting into supplying for other people, you have to spread it out. And you just said that you went and bought more traps, you spread out to other to the other businesses. Did you mess around with trying to trap on like quote unquote public land or under overpasses or did you just go directly into commercial and reaching out to businesses?
1: Well, so yeah, I mean, it didn't happen overnight. I just started, I, I, um, so there's, there's two things that happens. One you get, so I was like, well, I got this business now. Let me go, uh, find out. I asked the the owner of the gas station. I was like, Hey, do you have any other friends that own gas stations that might have pigeons? after he started seeing that I was starting to clear out his birds. And so he gave me a couple references and then I'd get one gas station at a time. Um, but, um, it was definitely a lot of trial and error. It took me probably, I think probably about a year before I got to that point of messing around with different traps, different feed. Um, but yeah, so, um, the, the big, the big thing is, is when, when trapping birds is you, you really have to set up your trap up high Um, I just found um, I I, I trapped at a lot of different locations and anytime I put the trap on the ground and leave and come back, I wouldn't catch nearly as much as many birds. And that was one of the first things I learned. It's like, okay, so I I, I, get the business is one thing, but I got They got to let me get up on the roof. And, you know, just being a random guy showing up to a a gas station. But, hey, can I go on your roof? A lot of businesses weren't open to doing that. There's a lot of liability and so um, uh, I was—I I definitely had a lot. I did a lot of trapping that was unsuccessful, and, and then until I started figuring out all the little tips and tricks. And so um, one of the biggest things I did, and it's just so stupid and small, but it made a huge difference in my in my trapping game. Is I I, I kind of after getting told no so I many even from. Like references where Sam, the owner of the gas station, would say, "Hey, this guy can get clear of pigeons." I'd show up, and they'd say, "Hey, what's what's this pigeon trapping all about?" And then I would ask them about the roof, and they'd say, "Oh, no, we can't, we can't do that." So I, I started to figure. I was like, "Man, they they just think it's just kind of weird to them just random guys showing up." I'm not a pest control company. I'm not charging them, so that kind of throws people off. And you're like, "Wait, what do you mean you're doing it for free?" You know, like it it. And so what I did, I was like, "You know what? I got to figure out a way." to make myself look like I'm a legitimate business. And so I went online, I paid $20 and I got the stupidest little business card made, but I made it look professional. And it was $20 on the online. You can nowadays look business cards. You can just design it right there on their website. I put a little pigeon and I put San Diego pigeon removal services and I put my name and my phone number. And the day I did that and I started going to businesses with my business card, immediately it just completely changed the way people would deal with me they i think just something about that business card makes it seem like oh man this guy's a legit business he must be be doing this for a while and and then people start saying oh yeah you can get up on my roof no problem so that's really what went from having one or two locations to just every location i'd walk in i'd give them the business card they would nobody would say no anymore especially if they had a pigeon problem
0: so that, I mean, that's all it took was the perception of it to where, you know, you're asking to go up on these roofs and they're like, you know, that's, a, that's a weird request. So that's a, that's a no to where you're just giving them a business card. You're not claiming to be licensed or, or anything like that. It's just, Hey, I'm going to come remove pigeons for free. And just, just that perception of being an actual business, it afforded you the opportunity to get up on, on top of the roofs and, Alleviated their concerns of the liability. Did they did they have you sign a liability waiver or anything like not, that?
1: Not one person. I think just everybody uh, uh, must have assumed that I have my own liability. No one ever made me sign anything. I mean, that business card really made them like have confidence that I knew what I was doing. And I even put on the business card humane pigeon removal. This is and I put it clearly on there. So I because I. De- once I started getting businesses, I started kind of getting worried that I was going to get in trouble. Started researching laws. First thing I found is that pigeons are not a protected species. I don't really think they are in any state. Um, from what I know here in California, they're absolutely not a protected species. They're, mm. they're like – the way you got to look at it is like, they're like rats. Like, and so like if you said to me, hey, uh, can, can you come – I know you're good at getting rid of rats. Can you come over to my house and help me get rid of my rat problem? As long as I go, I can help you as long as I'm not charging you. The moment I charge you, now I'm doing a pest control service and you have to have a license for that. So I, I so I put on the card this is a free service on the back. So there's no question that I'm not illegally like doing a pest control service without a license. So I put a, so as long as it's free, it's just like helping you get rid of your rat problem. They're just they're not a protected species, there's no laws. And so um, I put that on there. And then the other thing is, um, as I started rocking and rolling and getting more businesses, um, I, people would start to get upset when they would see me take traps down. And I remember I had this one um, location that I would trap right downtown San Diego. And so I'd go and I'd set it up. And next to this building, it was a one-story building, there was a, 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 a condo, 10-story condo, um, high-rise building. And so somebody from, I don't know, the 10th floor was looking down and watching me set the trap, watching the pigeons go in there. And she got really worked up about it, so she called wildlife law enforcement on me. And so they actually were waiting for me to come empty the trap. So I show up. Um, I so I show up, and the law enforcement's like, "So we got this call. We just kind of wanted to check it out." I, I was really I was scared. I thought I was in trouble for some reason. I was like, "Oh man, I, I must have done something." And they're like, "We just need to check the traps." And what's so crazy is they went up and looked at the traps, and they're like. What's so crazy is they're like, well, you got food and water, you got food in there? You got water, okay? You're not doing anything illegal. What's crazy is that was the first day I put water in with the traps. Every I had been doing it for months, and I was only setting my trap for like 12 hours, um, and I wouldn't put water in there because it was just such a short period of time. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna leave my trap longer now and put water in there. And the first day I put water in is the day that they showed up. So as long as there's food and water, you're good to go. They're like, and they they cleared me and said, no problem, you're not doing anything illegal. And that from that day on, I was like, "Oh man, I'm this is this is awesome," and I really just started rocking and rolling because I knew I I knew I had everything covered. I wasn't doing anything illegal, and I really started just going out canvassing the neighborhood and getting more businesses yeah. to let me trap.
0: So you made it through the sting operation, and it kind of solidified your thought process on, on it anyway. But you do bring up a good point to where. I don't I'm with you. I don't think there's really any state that the pigeons are protected or there's any real regulations or laws based on them, but that's where each individual's due diligence has to come in. It's they need to check with their local regs and, and laws because every city, every state kind of has their own little, I don't know hoops to jump through on different things. but at least in in where you're at San Diego, as long as you had food and water, you're you're in the clear
1: hundred percent. And I think most places are like that. Um, yeah. yeah, most places are. So, yeah. yep, that, that's it. Solidified it for me.
0: Did you start getting any like referrals from the business? Say that you go in, you start eradicating their pigeon problem and, and, you know, they start farming it out to other people, passing your business card on to the other person. Are you starting to network like through as if you are a legitimate business, which you, you kind of are. It's just kind of how you're going about doing it is a little different way if you kind of think about it that way.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I got, I got referrals that happened once in a while. Not, not as much as you would think, but what the biggest thing is I would have like business owners try me out and then they would see, I'd catch, you know, 25, 50 birds and be like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't really think you were going to be that successful. Hey, I have two more gas stations you want to trap at? So I would start getting like finding out these business owners have multiple locations and they would let me trap. Um, so yeah, the, the biggest challenge is once once you get all these businesses and you're you're catching all these birds, eventually the birds run out. That's one of the biggest challenges. Is I'd go into a place and I'd clear out all their birds, and then that was it. And and um and it's like you know there there you could look at it two ways. And one guy told me he's like, well, you should always leave like thirty birds. That way they repopulate, and every year you can come back. But I mean that. I probably should have done that, but the business owners were so stoked. They wanted the birds gone because, like, I would go up in some of these businesses and and look at the damage that these birds were causing. They'd get in their HVAC systems. I mean, some of the stuff I saw was so disgusting. Um, there was this one uh, building. The pigeons were in the HVAC system, and, I mean, there was dead birds, in there. they had been in there for years. There's just 100 pounds of poop in there, and all that stuff was just circulating through the air that's running through their building it's just so disgusting. It was disturbing to be honest with you. And so it's like, I, I, I didn't feel right about leaving 30 or 40 birds so that I could come back and trap again later. So I, I just would wipe out all the birds. And, um, eventually I, I, I kind of ran out of birds. I still have a couple of businesses that I use for just when I need birds to do some training, but eventually you run out of birds. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I went a little hard in the paint. <laughs> <Should've> just...
0: <laughs> well, and, and to, I don't think a lot of people fully realize just how big of a nuisance pigeons can be. Because, you, you know, we get us in the bird dog world, it's like, man, we got to find these birds. And sometimes they're very hard to find. And even sometimes they're hard to trap, depending on the area that you're going to. And it's just, you know, it's hard for some people to fathom just how many birds they can be on a business or, or a building in general and just the damage that it can be. There is a reason why businesses invest so much money in, in eradication of these birds. And while you're not, quote unquote, like a fully licensed uh, pest control business, you're kind of working out an arrangement with the business to imply that you are going to take care of their problem and you're going to benefit on the, on the other side. But to the person that was saying you know why don't you just leave a handful of others you kind of don't have to in some regards because these pigeons if you go sell them to somebody else and they don't actually shoot them they're just going to home back and they're going to be back at that place anyway so you know by naturally letting it take care of its own and if it's supposed to happen it'll happen more than likely those birds are going to be back in the next year or two anyway
1: that's true yeah you get a lot that fly back and then and you're never going to catch all of them anyway so um even like uh, you're i I would say if there's 100 birds you're probably going to catch 80 and then there's 20 that are just not going to go in your trap they're just they're just not going to do it the older smarter ones they're a little they're a little smarter about it and those are the ones that usually you you, you can't catch but yeah so they that's a that's a big thing too i would catch birds and then i i would like man look at the, the the markings on this one's insane and then I, I would use it for training, or I'd give it to someone else, and then I'd see it back at the business. They would they would fly back twenty miles back? It's crazy. They they yeah. do come back. So well, yeah, that's why that's why true. we
0: use them. You know, that's why we use them for homing birds and stuff like that. And and so before we kind of get into the cages and the feed and and how to set up your traps and everything, I got to know. You know, when you're catching this many birds, you got to house them somewhere unless you just. Every time you caught five hundred birds, you immediately have somewhere to go sell five hundred birds. Or you, do you have like a giant coop at the house? You know how are you housing these birds from the time that you catch them and the time that you go sell them to other bird dog people?
1: Okay, so I can promise you one thing, and and I, I live in San Diego. There's not that many bird dog people in San Diego. I mean, there there's definitely we have a NADDA chapter. But compared to some other places, it's not that much, not that many. I mean, I think, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but like most of our Navda meets, are you like you get maybe twenty people or less. It's not, it's not that big of a chapter. So, so I can promise you one thing: if you got birds, there's way more people that need birds, and they'll they will be lined up to get birds from you. The word gets out. That's the thing. Like I couldn't believe how many people would call me. Hey, so and so gave me your number that you sell pigeons. It's like, yep, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it spread like wildfire. And honestly, I could never catch enough birds to fill the orders that I would get. That was always the thing. Like, I mean, if I could have probably caught 2,000 birds a month, I'd probably still not be able to fill all the orders I had. Because you got to realize it's not just the dog trainers that buy birds or um, you have do- you have the falconers, you have um There's I I can't remember what religion it is, but they buy birds on a full moon and then when they say a prayer and every time they say prayer, they release the birds and I would have them call me, this lady would call me and she'd take three, 400 birds at a time. And so like between the falconers, the dog trainers, the pigeon racers that want to, for for whatever reason, there's, there's guys that like, they'll pick out the ones that they think are going to be the fastest and put it in their breeding program. I mean, I could never, never fulfill all the orders, So I can promise you one thing. It doesn't matter where you live. If you got birds, and you're looking to get rid of some, you're going to have people lined up more than you probably even realize. So, I mean, I had people driving down from L.A., which is three hours, picking up birds. It was just out of control. So,
0: and you, yeah. and you're selling each one of these birds for? Are you selling them for ten to fifteen bucks a pop still? Like, like people no, were charging I, you? I,
1: I technically I wasn't selling them. I was I was rehoming them. So, in, in California, you can't you you can catch the birds, but legally you're not allowed to sell them. So, we'll just leave it at I was rehoming them but i would yeah. say you know and if you were to buy them from a guy that was catching them or trapping them usually they go for between 5 and 10 dollars a bird all
0: right and that just goes into knowing your different area and what you can call it or not it's it's all the same thing just on the verbiage that we use right uh, exactly <laughs> so so it's not like you're going out there getting a trap of 200 birds and then you're like crap I need to hold on to these 200 birds for a week until somebody gets them. Essentially you're trapping them and the next day somebody's coming to pick them up. It's So yeah. That's exactly. immediate so, turnover. So, so, so you're not even having to house them. There's no overhead and feeding them or anything like that. That's it's insane that it's that quick of a turnover for you.
1: Yeah, so yeah. So I didn't even answer your question. So yeah, I have an aviary that holds about I mean, I could probably put about 100 pigeons in there for, you know, for 12 to 24 hours, it wouldn't be comfortable for them, but just to, to house them in the, the aviary until I get rid of them. And so I would always line up my pickup days um, to have people come in. Uh, like when I'd go empty my traps, I have people come pick up the birds. So I'd always just coordinate it so that I didn't never sometimes I didn't even have the birds. I didn't even put them in the aviary. Sometimes people would show up to my house and just take them out the traps. Or sometimes I would do it the next day, but I would never, never keep them. For more than you know, twelve or twenty-four hours max, because you got to feed all the birds, water them. They make such a huge mess in the yeah. aviary. So,
0: yeah. So, did you ever mess around with? I mean, with this volume, you, you may not have. I mean, even with your own dogs to to train, did you ever mess with trying to take over some of the wild pigeons and turn them into homers, have them breed, have them rehome? Have did you ever mess with that, or did you just kind of go with? Well, I, if I need some birds, I'm just going to go trap some more.
1: That that's funny that you asked that. So just kind of like how we were talking about. I know we weren't off off uh, the rec- recording. We were talking about how I hurt my back at work. So like I hurt my back and had to have a, ba- a couple back surgeries. And when that happened, I stopped trapping. And so I just said, uh, and a lot of my businesses ran dry too. So it's just kind of like combination of things. Businesses were running dry. I had injured my back. I didn't want to get up and go on roofs at that time. So I started getting homing pigeons and I still have homing pigeons now. Uh, that's what I use to train uh, most of my dogs or like I do a lot of gun breaking for the puppies we sell. So they come over and I use homing pigeons. And um, I actually it's funny that you asked that because my buddy had went out and trapped some birds and he had extra. And he asked me if I could store them. And I said, I'll store them. But I want you to let me keep a couple of them. I want to see if they stay or if they're gonna fly away. So I had um, a couple in my aviary. This is like we're talking two weeks ago, and um, I just kept them in there for about four days. That was it. And then I let I opened it up when I let my birds fly, and they never left. Really? They're all. I they still have them in there. Yeah. That's
0: surprising because I know, I mean, it it obviously happens. I mean, I've taken feral pigeons, whatever you want to call them, wild pigeons. Uh, They're out there. I've taken them, and and I've known numerous people that have transitioned into homers, but usually it takes a lot longer for them to kind of establish their new home in your coop. You know, from my understanding is it usually takes at least two months, if not up to like five or six, depending on the age and where you got them from.
1: So um, so a couple things. I think one of the reasons they didn't fly away is because I have an established amount of birds here. So I think just being around those birds stuck in there, they just stay. I think if I just put 10 city birds in an empty aviary and kept them for four days and let them all out, they'd probably all fly away. So I think my homing birds are what kept them that are, kept them from flying away. And I don't know, I only did it on two birds. so I don't know if I did did a hundred, how many are gonna stay, and I'm sure there's a lot that will fly away. But I was pretty surprised I thought they were gonna leave, and yeah. they didn't. Um, but um, yeah, so the thing with the homing pigeons is that was another trial and error. I, I think I went through three batches of homing pigeons, and they weren't cheap because the first ones i I left them in the aviary uh, for too long, let them out when they were adults, and they like half of them flew away. And I was like, wait, I thought they're supposed to stay and then um what i found out is actually if you start letting them out young like so i so what i do is when i need more i buy little squeakers and i leave them in for like three four weeks that's it max and then i let them out because when they're young they'll go out hang out on top behavior and go back in because they're young and not confident they won't fly away but if you keep them in until they're adults and then let them out for the first time they're gone dogs are like that too if you go like I teach all my dogs to run off leash with me from the from two months old. I'm hiking with them off leash. and they never run away when they're puppies. They want to be by you, right? But if you just take a dog and never let it run off leash until it's a year and a half, old, what's that dog gonna do? Yeah, that dog's gone. It wants to go. It wants free taste freedom, you know. So homing pigeons are kind of like that too. So I let them out younger um, then um and so, and another the thing with the homing pigeons here is a big problem is the hawks. They, yeah. get, they get our birds all the time, but that's yeah. anywhere pretty much.
0: And that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's kind of right in line with my experience and knowledge when you're dealing with squeakers or unflown birds. And and to your point, if you have an unflown bird, but say they're, you know, a fully mature bird, they're going to have a little bit more wanderlust in them. And uh, also another thing to consider if somebody's listening to this and they're like, you know, I'm going to go supplement my homers. I'm going to go catch a bunch of feral pigeons or whatever. Uh, keep in mind that you have no idea what kind of diseases and stuff that you're you're mixing in with your homer so if you have this real prized loft and you're just trying to you know supplement the, what what genetics or birds you have in there uh, I would suggest having like a little coal pen or something. You know, treat them and and stuff like that. Just don't go throw them in your pen and then wake up the next day and all your pigeons that you've had for two three years are dead all of a sudden because you introduce something foreign into the coop that wasn't there prior. Um, let's talk one hundred percent. Let's talk traps, man. Because as you alluded okay. to there's a basic trap that you can do on, on Amazon. I, I haven't even seen your trap. I'm assuming it's the same one that we all see. It's a wire cage. You got like a small little bob section on, on both ends, but obviously you can go as crazy on this as you want. There's different level cages and traps. And to your point, a lot of people that I talk to that really do stuff like this on, on any kind of serious level, they start really just making their own traps to fit their needs, how they like it. But there's a lot of considerations to traps, like you said, not only on just the placement on where you put it, but also if they're going to be there for long, you you have to have food and water. You have to have shade. You know, there's a a lot of different elements here. So kind of talk to me about your evolution of traps, what worked for you, what didn't work for you, your setup, all that fun stuff that if somebody's considering doing this right now, this is like their lesson one-on-one on the cage setup for trapping pigeons.
1: Okay, perfect. So, um, I don't, I'm going to show you my, the trap that I buy off Amazon that anybody can go and buy and be successful with the traps I make myself. The only reason I really started is because I wanted to catch more birds at once. Um, the, the tomahawk trap is the one that I recommend people buy off Amazon or, um, you can, you can find it online. Um, but the ones I made, my, in the tomahawk can hold maybe around max. I've had 25 birds in it. Um, but the reason I made my own is because I could get 50 at a time. I even have one trap where I can catch up to 75 birds at a time. But if anybody wants to know how to make a trap like that, I'm more than happy to help them out. They can get with me offline. I'll leave my information at the end, and I'll, I'll send them a bunch of information on how to make them. It's kind of complicated. It's not hard, but I think just to do it right here on video or on recording, it, it, they're not going to get very far with it. So, a couple of things. Um, One, the trap is super important, but even more important than the trap is the location. Um, Like I said, you gotta you gotta get up on a roof on a high place. When birds are, what I found is when birds land on the ground and there's a trap, they're way birds are just way more cautious on the ground. You got dogs, cats people they just they're not at ease when they're on the ground they're real sketched out by the trap and it's really hard to get them to go in you can get them if there's you have a spot that's just loaded with birds 100 200 birds and you put the trap on the ground you're going to catch some birds and um, the big thing with trapping and the, the best way to be successful is really leaving the trap for three days so i go set up the trap say on a monday i put food and water in the trap i put shade on half of the trap so, you keep half of it covered so that they're not just sitting in the sun because they'll overheat and die. So, put shade on half of the trap, use food and water, and then set it like, say, you set it up on a Monday, come back on a Wednesday to empty it. So, set up on a Monday because what happens is when you set a trap out in a spot, the first 24 hours, the birds are just checking it out. One or two might go in, um, the other ones are cautious about it. But once one or two starts going in, um, you know, and usually that starts happening after they get comfortable around the trap. That's when you'll start seeing mer- more birds go in. Um, the, the, um, and one of the other things you can do is, is is like if you go to a spot and the birds aren't going in, you can use a bait pigeon. I've done that before where I just put one pigeon in there and then that will attract the other birds to go in. But bi- the big thing is just leaving it at a spot for a good, you know, st- Monday, maybe it Wednesday. Um, you don't want to go any more than that because you can run out of water. The birds can die um, or you run out of food. Um, but, yeah, that's that. Like when I would just go set a trap for 12 hours or 24 hours, I was not nearly getting half the birds as if I would just leave it an extra 24, or 48 hours. Um, that's the big thing. Um, and it's got to be up high. Up high is the key. If you can get up on a roof, you'll be way more successful and if you just make a stupid little business card, I'm telling you, it, it just will make your success great go away. A business will be confident in you and they'll trust you and they'll let you get up on the roof. So going back to the trap, I use the tomahawk trap. I think they make two different ones. The, the, the one that's more rectangle and long, re- rectangular and long, that's the one I use. Both of them work fine. But the big thing on the tomahawk trap, is really is is uh, feed placement, where you put the food, because if you um, so the thing is, when you set a trap like this, right, you, I think there are 75 or 95 bucks now on Amazon and the bird can enter from both sides of the trap. But the big thing is food placement, because if you put too much food on the outside, then they'll eat up all the food and be full and not go inside the trap. And if you put the food too far on the inside, then they won't and there's not then they won't get they won't really go in the trap. So the way I do it is right where the bars are. I put all of the food and there's like, if it were these three rows right next to the the bars that you can see here, I fill up all the food. So it's just touching the bars that, that go up when they enter the trap. And I fill it all the way from one side to the other. And I go about five or four or five rows in. And I do that on both sides. And then the last thing you got to do is put a big pile of food directly in the middle. And the reason you do that if you got birds in there for three days, you don't want them to die on you. So, um, and then what I do is I put just a little bit on the outside, just enough so that they can come up, peck at the food, get confident around the trap, and um, get them to going in. But I, I barely put any on the outside, just just enough to get them to come and get a few seeds, and then eventually start working their way in. Um, but yeah, the tomahawk trap works great.
0: So it's kind of like the appetizer on the outside, just enough to kind of pique their interest. And then you're going to put some just barely on the inside so they can stick their head in kind of probe around, they get it. And then they see the honey hole out in the very middle of the trap that draws them all the way in the full committal,
1: essentially. Exactly. Exactly. And then one of the big things too, is I've done this so many times. Is you got to make sure that this latch is closed i can't tell you how many times i show up (laughs) and the latch is open and all my birds are gone so I, i i that has happened to me multiple times it's happened to my buddy so just always double check that you got that top latch closed um but yeah the tomahawk trap works great they're cheap they're indestructible um yeah i i love this trap um and um so what about I think that's the best bang for your buck.
0: You know, I'm picturing I, I I can easily see the first few birds going in there without a problem, but you know, based on the volume and the number of birds that you've been describing, I can also see two or three pigeons getting in there eating all of the food. And then no other pigeon's really enticed to come in. Do you, have you seen anything in regards to if you don't have food down, the other birds stop coming in? Or is just their social drive to be with the other ones and curiosity of, hey, why are you in that trap? Let me see what's in there. Do they keep com- coming in? Or once that, that food bowl or whatever you have in the very middle, once that dries up, do they stop coming in?
1: So, yeah, that's a really good question. So you, it is kind of trial and error. If you go to a spot that has a lot of birds, you, you'll set out some food and you'll show up and there'll be 10 birds inside, 100 that never went in, and all your food's gone. Well, then you didn't put enough food down. So the perfect scenario is you got 20 birds and you still have leftover food in the trap. Then you're like, okay, I maximized my trapping abilities. So the, what I do just to make sure is that when I put all the food in here, I make sure that I put a lot on the inside, and ju- and I put it all, uh, like a ton of it, just far enough so the bird, if they want to get to that food, um, they're going to have to enter the trap. So I start, like, so basically, it's really hard to just, without seeing it on camera, I put, like, um, I'll put, like, on the first row, I'll put a lot of food, you know, a good amount. The second row, I'll put even more. And then the third row, I'll put even more food. So the deeper I go in, the more food there is. Because the birds on the inside, is long, and that's why I put a whole bunch of food in the middle. You can't put like too much food in the middle of the trap. Because the birds that get trapped in there, they can eat at it. And um, you can't overfill it because you know um, these birds on the outside can't get to it. So you, that's why I always put a bunch of, of bird feed in the middle. Otherwise, if you don't, then the birds that are, the per- so all pigeons do the same exact thing when they enter a trap. The first thing they do is they they go, what the heck? I'm stuck in here. How do I get out? They start freaking out. They start trying to find a way out, flapping. Um, but after about five minutes, after they realize they can't get out, they settle down, and then they go back to eating food. It's like the craziest thing. It's like the the, the little freak out only lasts for five, 10 minutes, and then they go back to eating food. So if you don't have food in the middle of the trap, they're going to freak out. They're going to settle down and then they're going to need all the food that you're using to catch the other birds with so that's why it's really important um, that you put a bunch in the middle and that's actually why uh, one of the biggest things the reason i um, make my own traps because on the traps i make it has a second compartment so basically a bird goes in freaks out tries to find its way out and what happens is it finds its way into the second compartment and then that compartment it can't leave that compartment it keeps it from going back out it keeps it from eating all the food that's along the entrance of the trap so that's why we, um, we use a second compartment on the traps we make ourselves. But the the Tomahawk trap works just fine. I
0: bet with that second compartment, you can also set that up to where you can better regulate how much food and water stays in there uh, to where, again, that full committal, getting them in that first compartment, yeah, they're going to get in there, they're going to eat some food. But like you said, they're going to get in there trapped and they're going to forget about the food for a second, flipping out. Then they go into that second compartment and you haven't really depleted all of your enticing uh, gold mine that brings other birds into that first compartment that did, did i kind of d- explain that, that in a logical it. way
1: 100 <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly it so um with the second compartment it's so crazy you'll show up there'll be 50 birds all jammed in the second compartment and none in the entry compartment it's just they just jammed in the back half of the trap like so tight you're like how the hell did they fit in there But they all do the same thing. They freak out. And then the only way to get out of the trap is through the trap door that takes them into the second compartment. And I'm more than happy to show um, if somebody really is getting serious with it and they want to know how to make their own traps, I'm more than happy to show them how to do it. I even made a video series I posted on Project Upland a few years ago on how to uh, how to make the trap and showed videos of my trap so I can pull those up and send them to anybody that wants to see them. Man, but get, like I just said, the give me tomahawk the, trap.
0: Get, give me the oh. links to that video. I'll have it in the show notes so anybody watching this can go do that. You know, if they're not on our Patreon and seeing you kind of break down this this uh, main trap, they can at least check out that link of, of what you did with Project Upland and see the the multiple chamber, chamber traps, whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah, I'll find it. I posted it on their Facebook page, so I'll just I'll, I'll I'll go on there and search and find it and send it to you. Yeah. But that, like I said, the Tomahawk trap, you, you can get 25 birds in this trap and and sometimes it's even like I I calculated because you have to buy the roll of caging material to make your own traps and 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 it ends up costing you about 25 to 30 bucks to make your own trap. So if you're just like, I want to go from catching 25 birds to maybe catching uh, 50 then you might as well just buy two traps it might end up saving you a lot of time and money um, unless you're getting into like hey i want to make 10 traps that that might or even i would say anything more than five you You're like i want to make five or more then i would really consider making your own traps but if you're just like you know i, I just want to catch 50 birds every time you might even be best off just buying two tomahawk traps and saving you because you got to buy the material kind of in bulk so you really got to make like five trap I think the if you buy all the material you, you're going to make at least five traps out of it.
0: Well, I'd say Does if that makes sense. Yeah, if you're just trapping for your own personal use and you're not getting into, you know, the the hustle of selling a bunch of birds, I mean one or two of these traps will be good enough. I mean 25 birds, I mean unless you're just burning birds, you you know, very few of us need more than 25 birds, you know, every couple weeks or so. I mean, and that's that's even a high rate of bird usage just for one person. Uh So talk to me, you know, you talked about just piling the food. What about the water? You know, are you just using a basic water dish that you can get from any kind of co-op or bird supply shop? You know, how are you setting up the the food and water to be uh, legal when, you know, the the game agency sets up their sting to try and catch you like they tried for you?
1: That, that's a good question. So you can see here how I cut, I cut out one of the squares. So there's a little hole inside the trap. I get the water bottle feeders. They're super cheap on Amazon. You can get the, you can order the caps that go on the water bottle. You can get like 10 for, I think it's like 10 or 20 for 15 bucks or something like that. Super cheap, just a little plastic cap with a little feeder uh, on it. And basically you put the water bottle on the outside and then the feeder goes through the hole on the trap. So it doesn't take up any room inside your trap. And then I just use a bungee cord on the outside to keep that bottle, uh, uh, tied down. But if you just go water bottle, pigeon feeder, or you, you'll see them on Amazon, I'll look you up, uh, the link for that. And I'll send that to you too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And a- anybody listening to this, you know, if they're, if that doesn't make any sense, everybody's probably seen a hamster cage setup you know just picture an upside down water bottle with the bungee cord strapping it against the side of the cage and then you have the the dish because that's one thing about the pigeons that i had to learn to where you know some pigeons some people say the claim that they they've had pretty decent luck with getting their birds to use what you know the typical uh chicken water nipples or whatever that a lot of people use but from my understanding the pigeons really need a puddle They almost use their beaks kind of like a straw. So if you don't have an actual puddle of water, they're not drinking effectively uh, the way that it's been explained to me. So just kind of take that for whatever it's worth. What about the shade? Are you just kind of draping a tarp, piece of wood? What are you doing for the shade? Because there is nothing to block the sunlight from there and obviously outside of just sunlight you have other things that you probably want to hide the birds from maybe you know hawks or something that are circling that i'm assuming this cage probably does a decent job of drawing them in as well
1: yeah so uh so what i did is i just bought the the screening material that goes on your like sliding door the sliding door screen um or like your window screening material you can buy it in a roll and I just uh, use that material. I double it up, and then I just drape it over half the, tra- half the trap. Um, that way, um, the pigeons that are flying above they can still kind of see the silhouettes of the pigeon that are underneath the half of the trap. Um, but it does block enough sun that they don't overheat. Um, so, um, so yeah, you can. I mean, really, you can use. I've, I've sometimes I, I've showed up and forgot to bring my shade material, and I just used a piece of cardboard. I mean, you could use whatever you want. Um, for the shade, but you always just only cover half. Cause if you cover the whole thing, then the birds flying above won't see the pigeons in there. And it's really, it's really important that they see pigeons stuck in the trap because they're going to come down and be like, Hey, what the heck are they eating? I want some of it too. Um, so yeah, uh, the big thing too, is when you're trapping, if you show up, you're like, man, there's a lot of pigeons here. I got access to the roof. I set my trap out for three days. I didn't catch one dang bird. There's always like three reasons that you didn't catch it. One is that there was um, uh, there was a cat in the area that kept the birds from going in. The most common reason is that there's a hawk in the area. If those birds see a hawk flying around, they're not going to go in the trap. Um, th- those hawks will keep your birds out of a trap faster than anything. I, I, I always know when I show up and there aren't birds in the trap, there's either a cat or a hawk, or there's the human factor. Um, maybe it's just an area where there's too many people. Maybe it's... Um, Maybe there's like, I don't know, someone working on the roof or something, but if they're not so like, you know, what's crazy too is sometimes you just put the trap on the wrong side of the roof. I put traps down and like, why the heck am I not catching birds? And I move it to the other side of the roof and all of a sudden all the birds go in. So the, the pigeons are really finicky sometimes. So sometimes you're like, there's no hawk, there's no cat. What the heck? They're eating the food on the outside. They're not going in. Well, just or maybe they're not even landing. I've had it where I show up and I'm like they didn't even land and eat any of the food. I put food outside the trap. They didn't even land. And then what I found is, oh well, I'll just move it to the other side of the roof. And all of a sudden, bada bing, we're in the money. So <laughs> um, just relocating your trap is huge. Sometimes it's just pigeons are really funny. Have, you, have you experimented
0: thing, yeah. with different types of food? Have you realized, like, maybe this grain works better or maybe corn? You know, e- even with our homers, you know, we're, we're not really supposed to use a bunch of corn or crack corn because it, it's the canker and all that stuff. But, you know, we're talking about trapping feral pigeons. So, you know, maybe they have an affinity for corn, whereas... The, the typical homers that we keep them off of. It, it t- talks to me about what you're actually putting down for the food and if one works better so than the others.
1: Yeah, that's actually like one of the most important aspects of trapping is that um, is the food. So I experimented with a bunch of different foods and what I basically found the best combination, and I've done it, trust me, just I don't know, well, pigeons in your area might be different, but in my area, I've done everything from corn to game bird feed, to straight pigeon feed, to straight sunflower seed, to buying Dorito bags and mushing them up and making <laughs> Dorito crumbs. I've done I've done everything. I've done McDonald's French fries. I've done everything. There was actually one uh, uh, place I trapped at. It was a, a, a burger joint, and they would not eat my feed, and so I ended up buying a big bag of their fries, and that's what caught them. So sometimes w- things like that happen, but for the most part, 90% of the time, the best feed is you buy the bag of pigeon feed and you go 50 50 uh pigeon feed and sunflower seeds and if you go to Home Depot you can get the they're the, like the black shiny sunflower seeds you can buy like a 40 pound bag for 20 bucks it's really inexpensive and you go 50 I take I buy the Home Depot bag I buy the pigeon feed and I just go straight 50 50 because if you go just pigeon feed they don't they're they don't love it And so they'll eat some of it and then they'll be done with it because it's not their favorite feed. You know, when you have pigeons in the loft, they have no choice but to eat that feed. So they're going to eat it. The pigeons in the wild, they don't. They have a choice. They can just wait and eat scraps off the gas station floor. That's why gas stations have so many uh, pigeons is because people are eating Doritos while they fill up their gas. And and so they like to eat the crap off the floor. So and and then if you go straight sunflower seeds, the problem with 100 percent, that would catch you the most birds. But the sunflower seeds are so big that when you end up putting all the feed down, you all your feed will be gone and you only caught 10 birds mm. because it's really not that much feed because there's a lot of like they're just such big kernels. So I found the perfect mixture is 50-50 and that was where I was getting the most birds um, every time I would trap.
0: But, the, but then again, it's problem solving. If you put all that out, you do everything right, you've kind of checked all your boxes and they're still not going in. Next thing you know, to your point on the burger joint, you know those birds have been conditioned to where we eat the fries from this specific burger joint and that's what you enticed them with. So you know, you're using their home diet and uh, their normal eating routine uh, to get them in. I found that pretty fascinating that, that we've kind of – the the birds at the burger joint they've been kind of conditioned not to eat sunflower seeds or any of that stuff but you know hey man fry up some potatoes for me and I'm I'm happy
1: <laughs> yep totally it was so funny cuz i was like you know what man these these they were all fat too that like, wow, they bet. were so fat. Pigeons <laughs> are so fat. All they're eating is fries all the time. And so I was like, Let, let's buy it. it it's funny because the burger joints, they sell the the fries by the bag. So I was like, you know what? Give me three bags of fries. And I just used and I broke them up and that was it. That was it. They were in They're so,
0: They're yeah. ready to go. That's awesome. So what about bycatch? You mentioned a couple things like maybe cats in the area. Obviously, hawks are flying around. I'm assuming that there's some trash pandas located around some of these joints. You know, talk to me about what you've walked up on. I'm assuming that you've caught stuff other than the intended pigeons at some point or another. Is there anything that we can do to try and avoid that? Or is it just kind of uh, part of the deal. You just know that it's going to happen at some point.
1: Yeah. You know what? It's just part of the deal. It doesn't happen that often, but it happens. The only thing I've caught is Hawks, Cooper's Hawks. We have Cooper's Hawks here and they're small. And I've, i that's happened to be numbers of times. I don't know, probably 10 times I've shown up and there's Hawks in my trap. All my birds dead. Um, Actually, you know, this is kind of a funny story. Um, so, uh, at the time, Navajo was getting all their birds from me. There was, I mean, even now they have they're not, they're they're not even doing training days all the time because they're struggling to get birds. But at the time, I was supplying all the birds for every every monthly meet. And um, so they so um, I, what I would do is I would set a trap on Friday. I would uh, go check the trap on Saturday to make sure there was birds in there and then I would call um our lab our nav lady and be like yeah we're good we're gonna have birds for tomorrow we're good to train tomorrow so there was this big meet scheduled it was, it was actually not just I, they were uh it was like the last training before a big test so a bunch of people coming out I set out two no no I set out my big trap it, it's the one that can catch 75 birds even 100 so I set my big trap out I went Saturday and I'm like, there was a bunch of birds in there Saturday night. So I called called up the lady. At night, and I was like, we're good for tomorrow. I'll pick them up at 7 in the morning. And then I'll drive or 6 in the morning, whatever. I'll let, let them. I think I checked it actually Saturday morning. So I was like, I'll leave it all day Saturday. I'll pick it up Sa- uh, Sunday morning. I'll drive it out to the train day. You guys, we're good to go to train. So I show up in the morning. And there's a Cooper's Hawk. And he killed all the birds inside the trap, wow. It was a Cooper's hawk. So all the people are on their way. And where we train is really far. So, you know, it's a really far drive to get out there. So they're all already, some are there, some are on their way. And I had to call her and just say, I'm so sorry, but I don't have any pigeons for you. I was so embarrassed, but she, I, I was like, I had the FaceTimers, like, I can't make this stuff up. Let me show you. So I and showed her the trap and she was super cool about it, but I felt, I felt terrible. Yeah. So, you know, stuff like that happens.
0: Well, it's part of it. It's going to happen. Let Let me ask you, have you tried trapping outside of the city? You know, a lot of areas, maybe people listening to this, they don't live within a highly populated city where we know that, hey, there's there, there's a lot of rats with wings around here eating french fries and Doritos. But let's go out in the country to maybe... The farms, the grain silos, the bins, you know, stuff like that to where there's a bunch of pigeons, but they're not concentrated around a gas station or a roof. Have you tried those pigeons? And if not, just based on your knowledge within the city, how would you go about trying to set up your trap there? I'm assuming would you try and match whatever grain that they've been feeding on in the local area or would you try something different to stand out and draw their attention?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So actually, the, the gentleman who taught me how to make my traps, he was trapping pigeons for years. He's older now and retired. Um, and um, right about the time when he was retiring from trapping pigeons, I was starting. And so he showed me how to make the traps. And he lives about an hour and a half east. It's El Centro. Uh, it's just farming, um, farming land. It's where they do a lot. They, they grow alfalfa. It's actually uh, El Centro is right on the border of Mexico. And we do a ton of pheasant hunting out there. There's wild pheasants. Um, because there's just, I mean, there's just, I don't know, thousands of alfalfa fields and they just do really well in there. And so we do wild pheasant hunting out there. And so he lives out there. And I mean, at one point he was trapping 4,000 birds a month. I mean, this guy was really doing it. He had workers working for him. Um, He was the biggest pigeon supplier in like Southern California for years. And um, where he traps is all of the feedlots out there. Uh, where they buy their feed. Uh, I think it's like cattle feed and all kinds of different feed and I don't know what kind of uh, feed he uses. I know he doesn't he he mixes his own feed. Uh, he he would because he did tell me he's like, I got a secret recipe, I mix it up myself but I'm not exactly sure what he was using, but he was catching I think at one point he said four thousand birds a month. Wow. And all he was doing is feedlots in El Centro. So, um, yeah, I think that – I mean, I would just – what I would do is I'd find a feedlot, walk in, ask them, give them if they say no, try the next one, bring your business card. <laughs> and then I would just start experimenting with feed and seeing what they, what they like.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, the secret recipe, if he told you uh,
1: what, what that secret recipe was, you wouldn't be able to call it a secret recipe, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it was he, – honestly, he told me I just totally forgot. I know he was using some type of corn and a mixture of some other stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah,
0: and then you wouldn't change anything else up to, to kind of tailor, make it for country birds as opposed to city birds. You know, a pigeon's a pigeon regardless of where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Have you tried? Put it up
1: high. That's the only thing. Yeah, put it up high.
0: Have you tried underpasses or bridges? Because here in here in Middle Tennessee, that's really all I've tried, and and different success. It seems like in the bridges, that's more or less where they're kind of roosting at night. So it's it's their home. So a lot of birds tend to go out looking for birds or for food rather than in their bedroom. I guess if that makes sense. And so you know, some nights you might snag a few. But it seemed like when we were doing it under the bridges, when they're on roost, you had better luck with a flashlight and a net than you did with traps. And then especially around like Nashville, there's a decent homeless population. We had a few traps stolen uh, under under the bridges and stuff like that. Have you tried anything like that outside of just on top of businesses or when that's working so good? You know, why why even try under overpasses, I guess?
1: No, but I do have like a couple gas stations that are right along the freeway and the birds do live under the overpass. And so um, I, I've never tried that. Um, but all the places that are next to an overpass and I've set it up on the roof, I've been highly successful because that's usually where they go. They leave the overpass and they go somewhere to eat. The thing with pigeons is they never go far. So if you can find a big like population of pigeons, they're never going to go more than a one mile radius, maybe even half a mile um, that, that's the thing I learned, too, because I would trap at one gas station, then go half a mile down the street and catch trap at another. And there's I, I would look at the birds from the one gas station and they would be uh, majority gray with some purple on their chest. You could tell that they all kind of look the same. I go half a mile down the street. I would catch a bunch of pigeons at this gas station. None of them had purple on their chest. They all had the white on their head. You could tell that's like this is one family of pigeon and this is another family and they don't mix and they they stay in their little half mile radius and the pigeons at the other st- gas station stay in their half mile radius so they don't actually fi- fly very far so if you find where a large pigeon population is you just got to find where they're feeding at and that's where you set up the trap
0: yeah they probably have some huge like territory gang fight or something that we're completely unaware of to to justify yeah. like hey your boundaries over here my boundaries over here that's that's pretty right. interesting considering it's like hey pigeons are pigeons and within one mile you have a couple different roost areas but they don't don't typically mix that's no find, they don't I find that pretty interesting and, and I, for people that have never really had pigeons it's surprising how kind of cool they are. Uh, especially like when you have them, I, you know, I have my homing pigeons and I'm not going to lie, you know, I'm, I, I enjoy just watching them fly around. And, and I had a couple old timers when I got into the bird dog world that maybe they recently moved. I'm like, you know, what do you miss most about? living up North or something like that. They moved down South in retirement age and they're like, you know, I miss my pigeons. And it's just, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things, you know, we all have our pigeons to where you're like, you know what, that bird has trained all my bird dogs. They've been around for years and, and for people that think that like maybe we're kind of callous to these birds, maybe more so no. we kind of are in some extent to a lot of these wild ones that, you know, we just use and, 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 train with and then it it is what it is but for the ones that we keep and 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 breed and and make our own little homing coop out of uh we get attached to them you know i'm protective of my pigeons for sure
1: oh my pigeons are my babies my buddy he he has this dog he needs to train for a test and he's like dude you got a lot can i just use one or two i'm like dude you are never taking my birds (laughs) out and shooting them bro those are my babies i know every single one of them they know me. They'll eat out of my hand. Like I will, and then I, like you said, I have one that's like five years old or four years old, and she's like my baby. She's big mama. I call her. It's like, man. I, as a matter of fact, having homing pigeons. I didn't have, when I was trapping before a lot, I didn't have homing pigeons. Once I got homing pigeons, I started feeling guilty when I'd go out and train with pigeons. <laughs> like, cause I never knew they, they are, they're funny. They got little personalities and they, they, they get to know you. So yeah,
0: they really do. Yeah. I mean, I got some that'll eat out of my hand. I have some that'll literally like, you know, they'll be on the roof. And if I hold food in my hand, they'll actually come and sit on my, my arm. Then I have some that just like, won't have anything to do with me. It's, I mean, to your point, you get to know each one. You can be going through your coop and be like, you're cool, you're cool, you're a jerk, you're cool. Exactly. <laughs> you know?
1: uh, exactly.
0: But, man, I, what are we missing here? I think that we've kind of covered this from all kinds of different angles on how to even get set up as well as your actual physical setup. Is there something that we've overlooked that would be would help somebody uh, needing to or wanting to get into this or, or at least test the waters?
1: Um. No, I, I mean, the biggest thing is just uh, um, not giving up when you don't catch birds. You go set out a trap, you go a couple of times, you're not catching anything. Just uh, don't give up. Just try a different, first try to move the trap to a different spot. Maybe try switching up your feed and then <clears throat> and then just figuring it out until you catch them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So yeah, I've, I, I can't tell you how many times I, it took me like three, four t- attempts at catching the birds till I found the sweet spot. So I would just not give up. I try to remove the trap. Try a different feed, um, and then um, yeah, I, I think we covered everything. If you're going to get homing pigeons, that's a whole other animal in itself. But I, w- the only thing I'd say about that is if you're going to go out far and train with homing pigeons, make sure you get the right kind. The racing pigeons are are much better than the just the average white homing pigeons. Um, we the ones I have are I bought them from a guy that. The, he goes out 300 miles with his birds, and they fly home. So, getting good quality racing uh, homers is really what you want if you're going to be going out 20 minutes away from your house. Um, but yeah, so I, I think we covered it all pretty much. If you got questions, you can always hit me up on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is uh, California Gun Dogs. I'm on there, California Gun Dogs, and um, and if you got questions or want more information, I'm totally happy to help. Yeah, anybody that needs help,
0: absolutely. And I'll I'll have the link to your Instagram and everything in the show notes, along with the uh, the links to the uh, pictures and your setup on your two ch- chamber chat. But Joel, I appreciate you taking the time and kind of sharing your knowledge. This is something that not everybody kind of does or has tried but everybody's at least disgusted or thought about it at one point or another depending on where they live and the timing of year you know we we have to train these dogs and sometimes you have to have birds but uh i appreciate oh,
1: oh you know what yep. hey before we go sorry to interrupt you i gotta say that the funniest thing that ever happened to me when i was trapping pigeons is i get this phone call because at the time i was posting ads on craig on craigslist and i get this phone call from adam carolla show <laughs> they call me, and they're like, "Hey, is this the guy that sells pigeons?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "The the, the lady or guy I don't remember is like, so we have uh, on our podcast uh, every we- weekly uh, episode we we call the weirdest things on Craigslist and talk to the people, and we call the weirdest Craigslist ads. And this pigeon thing is so weird, we want to talk to you. So <laughs> I was like, "Would you be on our show?" Or And I said, yeah, no problem. Like, okay, well, we're going to call you like we never talked before, and we're going to ask you questions about pigeons. And so they called me, and I was on their podcast. Man, they brutally just totally clowned me, but it was, it was pretty funny. So so I was on the Adam Carolla show for catching pigeons. So yeah. that, that's my last pigeon story. <laughs> no, that,
0: that's hilarious. And it just goes to show, I mean, some of the stuff that we do to to train these bird dogs and get ready, it, it's it's amazing how if you really stop and think about it, it's like, Never in a million years, t- you know, would I have imagined doing this. We do some pretty strange things trying to train these dogs up. But uh, that's funny that Adam Carolla reached out to you and, and highlighted yeah. that because it, it is strange and the average person may not be able to relate to it at all.
1: Yeah, I was trying to, that's exactly, I was trying to explain to him like, so, you know, what we do is we go out, we use a pigeon launcher and blah. And I was just like, you know what, they're not going to get this. I I just just gave up.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Joel, man, I appreciated you taking the time and sharing the knowledge. Uh, Everybody listening, stay tuned for the outro and Joel, we'll, we'll definitely circle back and talk soon.
1: Okay, cool. Thanks.
0: All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Joel Epstein of California Gun Dogs on Instagram. This was presented by Standing Stone Supply, DT Systems, Onyx Hunt, Final Rise, and uh, Upland Gun Company. Uh, You know, this has been a topic that's been requested a few times over the years is, you know, if there's nobody available around me with birds, if there's nobody available around me that can kind of donate some homing pigeons to the cause, what do you do? And, and there's just one thing that you can't get around. If you're going to train a bird dog, at some point, that's going to require birds. And unless, unless you're lucky enough to live in an area of the country that you can just train on wild birds and get on enough wild birds in the actual hunting season or training seasons to uh, not require training or pin-raised birds in the off-season, then you, you're you just going to have to figure it out. And uh, I'm constantly getting asked by people where to find birds, where to go find birds, stuff like that, and it's going to be different and And everywhere you go, every state, every region, it's going to be different. So, like, I can't really help too many people out. I know uh, our friends over at Bird Dog Society, they're trying to accumulate bird breeder information by state and stuff like that. So if you have connections or you are a breeder that you would like to get your name out there, then by all means reach out to Bird Dog Society and and get your information uh, posted on their website. But sometimes you just kind of have to put your feet to the pavement. You have to go find it. You have to put in the work. You have to network. And it's getting harder. Bird availability, pen-raised birds just seem to diminish the availability, at least in my area. With, here within Tennessee the past few years, it's getting harder and harder Every single year, you know, it's like the the people that raise and sell these birds, they're aging out or they transition to where they're only doing it certain times of the year to where they're selling directly to preserves because preserves are popping up everywhere. And why do it year round if you can make even more money by just doing it part of the year, right? Like I don't blame them on that, but – it's it, it is a factor for us bird dog owners. That's that is the true value of a training group, a chapter through Navda, what have you, to where everybody can kind of pull their resources. and And this is a an approach to where you know every city and even out in the rural areas, especially in ag country, down silos and stuff like that, you're gonna have some wild pigeons that you can go trap and. And, you know, it's, it's whether you decide to sell them or quote unquote rehome them, depending on where you live, that's kind of, you know, that that's your prerogative. But it's it's one of those things I tell everybody, if, if you're having trouble finding homers or if you're tr- having trouble finding birds, you know, consider building a loft, consider trying to. Uh, breed and create some homing pigeons for yourself. If you have any interest in transitioning into homing pigeons outside of just catching wild ones and using them the day of or shooters and whatever, just keep trapping as needed. If you're interested in doing some homing pigeons, then by all means go check out episode 136 and 137 that I did last year with Anthony Williams. We kind of broke down everything that you would need to know in terms of housing and raising and using homing pigeons. It's a valuable resource there. I'll have the episode links in the show notes if you're interested in that as well. Uh, Moving on. It's there. There's not going to be any extended outro for the Patreon patrons this week. Uh, we're we're I'm going to kind of revamp that that structure and what that looks like on a weekly basis. So stay tuned for that. But if you are interested or support the podcast or you find value in the content that, that we keep putting out, then consider signing up for patreon it's patreon.com forward slash it yourself there's a link in the show notes and there's certain things you know we have a couple discount codes or promo codes there's bonus episodes the profiles that i do we have videos on that on uh, patreon if you're interested in a video format instead of just the audio and then uh, early access to videos you know the i recently publish the prairie chicken in illinois video it's up on youtube right now for the public but the patreon patrons got that early access for a week or so and uh you know just the bonus episode i do with nick larson with birdshot people really enjoy that where we actually use real uh hunting clips and or you know training clips and we kind of break down what it is that we're looking at or doing and stuff like that but if you haven't already, go check out YouTube, hit subscribe, check out the prairie chicken video. I would love to hear your your thoughts or feedback on that. It's kind of a different style of a video. It's it's not a lot of dogs on point, it's not a lot of birds being shot and fallen and you know, we all love that stuff, but to me, you know, there are no birds without conservation, and there's some topics that really should start getting hit a little bit more in the upland space. And so that's what I attempted on this. Uh, hopefully it resonated with you people and, and you enjoyed it, and, and we can continue doing some fun projects on top of that. Uh, but, yeah, so stay tuned. I have another – Uh, legend in his own right uh, coming out on an episode probably a little bit sooner than what you would expect so uh, stay tuned for that and I'm excited to share that with you it's going to be a little bit different style of an episode excited for you guys to hear that and as always thanks for hitting download thanks for hitting play please subscribe to it if you haven't already so that you can be sure to catch that episode that's coming out sooner than you think and uh, yeah thanks as always and I look forward to seeing you next week